Hello and welcome to episode two of the fourth series of Rock and Road, the podcast with me, Leona Graham. Thank you for listening once again. I have a very special guest this week, Jeff Downs of the group Asia. They are releasing the official live bootlegs volume one, a 10 CD box set. We're going to learn all about that and more from Jeff Downs, who is also in Yes and was in The Buggles as well. I try out a car. It's a hybrid Hyundai Santa Fe seven-seater. I speak to Emma Franklin, deputy editor of MCN Motorcycle News, the weekly paper. Catch up with her. Talking of motorbikes, I speak to a guy called Evo, who's invented and is running this great new, rather cool biker app called Biker Nexus. And we'll find out what's going on in the UK album charts. But first, the Hyundai. currently driving a hybrid, a Hyundai Santa Fe, six-speed auto, 1.6, and the beauty of this one is it's a seven-seater, which uh, always appeals to me because I've got a big family, so if I can get to drive one of these, I will always say yes. This is the car, by the way, that caused that huge Twitter uproar when I posted a picture of its charger. Um, it's just got like a one sort of circular charger, which means it's a slow charger. Um, but you can get these ones that have an extra little bit which makes it become a fast charger. Some hybrids have that and obviously main electric vehicles have that but hybrids not all of them do and uh, caused a huge uproar on Twitter when I posted a picture saying well look you know how are we supposed to use electric cars if these charges aren't compatible at motorway services and all of the electric car drivers were very very angry with me and said well you shouldn't be charging that up there how dare you plug a hybrid in here or even try to so I'm driving down the A3, I really like this Hyundai. Currently using cruise control, automatic windscreen wipers, it has lane assist, steering wheel assist. One particularly special feature about this I like, which draws from the Honda E. Instead of wing mirrors, it's got little cameras so you can see down the sides of the car and cover all the blind spots. Well, this one has regular wing mirrors, but it also has cameras down the sides. So when you indicate right, my rev counter circle becomes a screen. If I indicate left, my speedometer circle becomes a screen. So I can see what's happening. Avoid all that blind spot drama. It's brilliant. Sunroof on the top is absolutely glorious. I mean, the glass goes all the way back to the back of the car. The sunroof goes back halfway. Beautiful leather seats with cross stitching on the tops. The seats at the back come up very easily to make it a seven seater. Plenty of room, loads of leather. I love the way it's laid out. I actually can't fault this car at the moment. Now, as I'm recording this, we are in the middle of our inverted commas petrol crisis. And so I'm trying to use the electric mode as much as possible um, because I've only got an eighth of a tank of petrol right now. But it keeps wanting to use the petrol. I started on this journey at 60 miles worth left of petrol. It's got down to 50. And all the time it keeps jumping back into petrol mode. I don't seem to have total control over the EV mode even though I've put it in EV mode. One of the things I really love about this car is the center console. You have the screen at the top, which is a touch screen as well. And then coming down the middle, it's got a whole row of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven rows of buttons. So when you're driving, as you get familiar with the car, you don't need to take your eyes off the road to fiddle around with the screen. You can just touch the button you need to touch. So at the top row, it's things like map, nav, seek track, radio, media setup. 
The next row is all to do with the air conditioning and the climate. Uh, then you've got a row to do with the actual drive of the kayak. You've got drive, terrain, eco, snow, mud, sand, smart, sport, EV mode, and all the different modes you can drive in. Heated steering wheel, parking cameras, which you can put on at any time, which is really handy. Uh, and then the last row is all about the heated seats and air conditioning for the seats. Um, and as I say, it's just so much easier having physical buttons there and a separate touchscreen. I like the combination of having both. Have you lost any storage by having this centre console of buttons? No, because you've got this handy little bit underneath it where you put things like, you know, your phone or wallet and the car keys. Because obviously you don't need them to start the car. I've got the cigarette light lighter down there as well. But coming further down, you've got two cup holders, USB charger, and another slot, which again, that could be the, for the phone as I well. And then, going back even more, you've got like a whole really deep compartment. Look how deep that is, Dexter. Oh my gosh, I put foot in that. Yeah, you could fit your foot in that. I don't want you to do that though. Um, but yeah, really deep storage in there. And then coming back to your area, you have got your own aircon as well. I've got my own charger as well, I've got my own seat as well. Yeah, this is turning out to be one of my favourite cars. I thought your BMW was. No, I've gone off our car, this is this is superior to our BMW. So there, that's saying something, isn't it? Well, we can't buy it because it costs millions of pounds. It is, it is quite expensive. Um, I'm going to get the prices right now, actually. Okay, so prices start from £40,250, which isn't too bad compared to other hybrids and electric vehicles, who all seem to start at more like 50, 60 grand, but still a hefty chunk of money if you're thinking of converting. Now, since I've given this car back, actually, I've really been pining for it and actually been looking at buying one, but it is still too pricey for me. £40,000 on a family car is just too much, so I'm maybe going to wait a year or two till the prices drop, but Obviously, following the petrol crisis, it's more and more in my mind and maybe your mind as well of converting to hybrid or full EV. Now, one of the things I love about this Hyundai is it's got 12 years anti-perforation warranty, five-year annual vehicle health checks, five-year unlimited mileage warranty, roadside assistance and a map care program with 10 years of map updates. So plenty of aftercare. It comes with an option of a hybrid or a plug-in hybrid. I touched a little bit on some of the tech, but it comes with every single possible safety equipment that you can imagine as standard. Blind spot collision assistance, downhill brake control, driver attention alert. It tells you if there's a car, pedestrian, bicycle, anything around you. And as I mentioned, the amazing visual indicators which tell you what's happening when you indicate. Sound system is awesome. It's called a Krell Premium Sound System. And in terms of the interior, you've got a choice of whether you have Nappa leather interior trim, suede, brushed aluminium centre console accents, a faux leather wrapped dashboard. Lots of options there if you were buying brand new and you want to pick and choose between all the different finishes. This is my most favourite car for us as a family. One of the best parts for me is the centre console. I feel like I'm in a cockpit with all of the controls handily around me and I love a lot of buttons so this car really feels great to drive. It handles well. Um, if you want to have a look at the photographs have a look at Rock and Roll Pod. It's the Hyundai Ultimate Plug-in Hybrid 1.6T GDI. Welcome to the podcast, Jeff Downs from Asia. Hi Jeff, how are you? 
How are you? I'm, I'm very good, thank you. So, exciting news. You're bringing out a box set release, the official live bootlegs, volume one, uh, from Asia. Can you tell us all about it? Well, I think it's quite an interesting um, collection, really, because it, it spans the entire generation of Asia, not just from the, um, the original live recordings that we did with the, uh, on the first and the second album, but also uh, when we got back together in 2006-2007, uh, um, we've got the live recordings from that era as well. What we call the reunion albums. I think we did uh, we did four albums uh, in that period of time. So it's uh, it's an interesting. There's, there's like sort of two bookends of Asia, really, in many ways. Yeah, I mean it's an enormous box set, ten CDs. Yeah, I mean that's incredible. I think that um, yeah, people. I think people like to collect stuff these days. I, I'm not sure. You know whether downloading stuff and, and streaming stuff has the same impact, and I think to have you know something in your hand that you can look at and and, and really experience what we experienced when we were performing these live concerts. So when are the live concerts? Is it, is it around eighty two, eighty three? Yeah, I think there's one from uh, San Francisco and uh, Japan when we did the big sports hall in Japan. So they're basically across, I think, four four continents in total. What made Asia get together? Because uh, they were a supergroup, really, weren't they? Well, I think that was something that was tagged on to us afterwards. I think that initially we were four guys who really wanted to do something a bit different. And I think that the other three guys had obviously come from much more deeper progressive rock pedigree backgrounds than I had, for instance. I was, much, you know, although I'd been in Yes for a year prior to forming Asia, uh, I. You know, I was really known for being a session guy and doing... But you were uh, in Buggles as well, weren't you? Yeah, with the Buggles, you know. So um, it, it, it was uh, it was probably a bit different for me, but I think I brought something to the equation in terms of uh, we, we had a more um, a more song-orientated approach, I think, with Asia. And the other guys had, had come more from this sort of progressive, almost instrumental background. Yeah, and uh, just to explain for anybody new to Asia, so the background of the group are John Wetton, who was of King Crimson, um, UK guitarist Steve Howe of Yes, you, keyboardist Jeff Downs of Yes and The Buggles, and drummer Carl Palmer of Emerson, Lake and Palmer. So a bit of an impressive background, uh, but where did the inspiration come for for the massive hit, Heat of the Moment? Well, funny enough, that was very much a, 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 an afterthought. It was the, the last track we recorded for the album. I think the record label were pushing us and saying, you know, we, we don't think we've quite got that lead-off single yet for the album. And so uh, John and I sat down one afternoon and uh, uh, and we put together Heat of the Moment and it took literally 10 minutes. All of the best songs that I've read about are the ones that have been composed, you know, in the pub over five minutes or something. Why is that? Uh, I think because people get a, an instant inspiration for something and they want to get it completed and finished in that period of time. So it, very often a lot of songs are, you know, like Yesterday by Paul McCartney, you know, was written in a, about two seconds or something, you know. I mean, it was literally... <laughs> I think sometimes in a creative mode you, you just have that idea about something and you want to get it uh, completed and all finished and done and dusted. Yeah, that, I suppose that makes sense. What was it like in those days in terms of making music compared to nowadays? Well, I think those days it was all about you being in the studio in, uh, as a band, you know, as a, as a unit, even with the Buggles, which was very much a, a electronic duo, Trevor and myself. Um, we, we've always recorded backing tracks with, uh, you know, bass and drums and guitar and keyboards. So 
Uh, I think that aspect has changed considerably now because people, as you know, they, they trade files over the internet and um, and people don't have to be in the same room to make a record. But of course, when that, when you know when I was making the early records with the Buggles and, and Yes and uh, uh, and Asia, we were, we were all there thrashing it out together to get that backing track down, which was the obviously once you got that down, that was the basis for everything you were going to build on top of it. Yes. What are your plans for the future musically? Well, we've got a, a, a Yes tour coming up, you know, because I've been back in Yes now for, for over 10 years. Uh, we just finished a new album quite recently, and that came out a few weeks ago, which has done very well. Uh, so we're, we're going to be out again next year with, with, with Yes, and, um, and I hope also to complete some of the songs that I started with John Wett when prior to we, he sadly passed away in 2017, and we had, we had a few songs that we put forward for another Asia album so I'm hoping to put some finishing touches to those and, and maybe get some uh, some of our, our friends and people that were associated with the band to come forward and, and uh, make guest appearances on it. God that would be amazing and Jeff are you into cars or motorbikes in any way because this, uh, this podcast is also about cars and bikes. I know I know well <laughs> I'm into cars that's for sure. Oh um, interesting tell us yeah. more. They call me uh, Two Paws Jeff. You know they used to call the guy that uh, the politician Two Jags. Yeah, John Two Paws Jeff. <laughs> yeah, they call me Two Porsche. I've got a Boxster and a Cayenne. I really, I really love Porsche. Uh, and John Wetton and myself, we were big on Porsches. We we just loved the, uh, the the feel of them and the styling of them and everything. So. Uh, when we first got together with Asia, I think that uh, John had an Aston Martin at the time and Steve had an old Bristol and Carl had a Rolls-Royce and I had a Porsche uh, Targa. So we, uh, Asia, Asia's uh, first rehearsal looked like, uh, you know, looked like a car showroom from Berkeley Square. <laughs> Yeah. That, that is wonderful. Isn't yeah, that's it? absolutely true. And, really? Uh, and so, yeah. So, um, but Carl was into Alfa Romeos and Steve had his Bristols and uh, mm. he's been into Mercedes for a long time. John, he turned over to Porsches when I think he saw mine and he. You converted he got everyone, his didn't Aston you? Martin and, um, uh, and so that was it, really. But yeah, I, I, lo I love cars. I mean, I love driving. I love what was your first car? Uh, my first car was a Hillman Imp, actually. Oh, really? Uh, but I passed my Classic. test in a Land Rover, which was quite difficult because the gear changing was pretty... Um, bit chunky. Well, you, know, you, you didn't have the synchro mesh on the gears, so you had to kind of double de-clutch to go through the gears. Oh. So that was a, an interesting thing. But um, my first actual car for myself was a Hillman Imp, which was a bloody awful car. And, um, <laughs> it broke Not down fond memories my, of that one, then. Uh, my fun memory was that I, it broke down on my first uh, visit to music college when I went to Leeds across the uh, across the Pennines from well, Manchester, which is where I'm from, and it broke down halfway across the Pennines on the Snake Pass. So that was my my lasting memory <laughs> on my first day at, at, at music college was uh, my Hillman imp basically uh, giving up the ghost. Yeah. Thank goodness you went on to get Porsches instead and uh, had a <laughs> successful career in the end. <laughs> Yeah, thankfully it, it didn't <laughs> deter me from going to going to college and getting my degree. Phew. Funny enough, I think a lot of these things are interrelated. I know a lot of musicians are really into uh, are really into to cars, and I, I remember seeing um, Nick Mason, you know, who's really into oh, yeah. Ferraris and stuff like that. And uh, I remember seeing going to a Koi car auction at Silverstone, and uh, and he was racing around the track, you know, at sixty odd years old. So. Uh, can't be too bad, you know. No, it's it's a pretty good lifestyle, really, isn't it? 
and as well as your two Porsches, have you got anything else? I've actually also got a really old Jeep Wrangler, which I've I've, I've had since about for about uh, thirty years, and I'm I'm loath to get rid of that. Even oh, you've had it probably, so long now, you might as well just keep it. It's probably worth nothing, but it, it's <laughs> it's just you know when, whenever there's uh, the rare occasions that nobody can get around in the snow. You know, I'm, I'm the man to go and deliver to houses that are cut off because uh, that thing can literally climb up mountains. There you, know? you go, keep it. Um, well, just coming back to this box set release, so it's the official Live Bootlegs Volume 1 out on the 26th of November. This means there's going to be a Volume 2? Um, I Quite possibly. I think that um, initially you, you go with, you know, with what, what we've done. I mean, we've done a lot of... Uh, when, particularly with the Reformation uh, of Asia, we did an uh, enormous amount of live touring, probably for about six or seven years. So I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's still plenty of uh, powder in the keg, as it were, in that in that department. Mm. Okay. Well, if anybody wants to find out more, you're on Twitter at Original Asia, and on Instagram it's Asia the Band, Facebook Original Asia. So uh, we will look you up and uh, make sure we get that when it comes out on the 26th of November. Brilliant, Leona. Thanks very much for talking to me. Thanks a lot. So looking at the albums, and in the album charts this week, new entry at number seven for the Rolling Stones, Tattoo You which is the 40th anniversary edition of the 1981 classic album, remastered, expanded, and featuring nine unreleased tracks as well, one of which I have played on Absolute Classic Rock recently. So if you fancy buying a classic album with some new tracks thrown in, this is the one, The Rolling Stones' Tattoo You. And number six in the UK album charts, it's Adele with 25, which went back in the charts just on the news that she's having a new album come out. One of her previous albums has re-entered the chart. Coldplay, former number one album, and their most recent, Music of the Spheres, is at number five this week, dropped down from number one. New entry for Biffy Clyro at number four, The Myth of the Happily Ever After. Great new album from Biffy Clyro. They are solid every time. I can recommend just about each and every one of their albums. Another new entry at three for Duran Duran with Future Past, which is a brand new album, their 15th one. It came out on the 22nd of October, co-produced by Mark Ronson, Giorgio Moroder and Errol Alkin. Quite a impressive bank of producers there and obviously an exciting album. Duran Duran fans have just flocked to buy this, hence it's got to number three already. And Blur's Graham Coxon is the guitarist on the album as well. That's Duran Duran, Future Past and number three. Another new entry at two for Lana Del Rey, Blue Bannisters. Great to see that she is back in the album charts with a fantastic new album and also a brand new number one this week. The number one comes from Elton John. The album is called The Lockdown Sessions. This is his first number one album in almost a decade. And it features collaborations with people like Dua Lipa, Stevie Nicks, Stevie Wonder, Charlie Puth and many more. It is Elton John, The Lockdown Sessions, at number one this week on the UK album chart. Oops, I just need to correct myself here because there's been some album changes since then. This podcast was due to come out earlier this week, but due to unexpected driveway works at my house, which you may have seen on the socials, the podcast has come out a few days later than I wanted it to. There's a new number one. In fact, it's from Ed Sheeran with his brand new album and Elton John has dropped down to number three and a new number two from Richard Ashcroft, Acoustic Hymns, Volume 1. 
you fancy listening to a classic album, Kiss's debut album from 1974, every single song on that album is brilliant. Starts with Strutter, and another great is one called Cold Gin. Check it out, Kiss, their debut album from 1974. The MCN Minute on the Rock and Road Podcast. Please welcome to the podcast, Emma Franklin, Deputy Editor of MCN Motorcycle News, The Weekly Paper. Hi, Emma, how are you? Oh, I'm really well, thanks, Leona. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Uh, what have you been up to? Oh, man, um, just getting over the fact that it's autumn already and the leaves are on the ground and yeah. it's, uh, like, super slippery out there on uh, just heading out of my where I live. The junction is, like, covered in leaves and on the bike this morning it was uh, pretty sketchy. Bit precarious, was it? Bit precarious, yeah. What's that picture of you on Instagram? You were exercising, looking at a bike, and then you took a picture of you on the bike. Oh yeah, so that's that's a new race bike that I've just bought. So that's a, a ZX6 uh, R super sport bike, um, and it sat in my garage while I was on the treadmill. And I thought I'm gonna have to try it out for size, even <laughs> though winter's here and I'm probably not gonna get to ride it for a few months. But uh, yeah, I'll have to sit on it and go brum brum. <laughs> oh yeah, well if anyone wants to see that post, you're on Instagram. What's your Instagram name? Uh, it is uh, Emma Wandinger. Yes, why why is it Dinger? So that's, um, it's sort of like a, a pet name for two-stroke. So a one-dinger is a one-two-five two-stroke. That's what they used to call them. And a two-dinger is a 250cc two-stroke. So I used to race one-two-five GP bikes. So that is a one-dinger. So oh, all makes perfect sense to me now. <laughs> oh, thank you, Emma. OK, now tell us about the MCN paper this week. What's happening? Oh, this week. So we've gone a little bit British bike-tastic. So, yeah, picking up the theme of two-strokes. Um, MCN has been lucky enough to secure an exclusive first ride of the new British-built Langan two-stroke. Uh, so this has been a longer-awaited uh, first ride from this uh, new sort of cafe racer bike that's built up in Wigan. And uh, I myself was lucky enough to get the first test on it. So that's our, that's our lead cover story this week. Oh, OK. And that's the paper out Wednesday. Yes, yes. So if you want to know what it's like, you'll have to read all about it in MCN this week. Oh, left us with a cliffhanger there, Emma. Definitely. Uh, Anything else to add? (laughs) Yeah, so continuing the British bike theme, we've also got our first glimpse of the new Norton V4. So this is the TVS-owned Norton who bought the old Norton out of administration uh, last year. Uh, So they've uh, redone the V4 SS and they're calling it the V4 SV and it looks very similar but they say it's been completely all re-engineered so it's got none of the uh, SS's problems and it's still got all the trick bits like Olin suspension, chrome frame, rear facing camera so that's another sort of very uh, exotic expensive British bike for us all to look forward to. It does sound exotic and expensive I mean how much is it? Well the V4 SS was about £45,000 so it's going to be around about that mark so yeah no word on official prices yet okay um but yeah it'll be about that okay emma and anything else well i don't really want to end on sad news but no. there is a bit of sad news i'm afraid um and we found out last week that much loved british racer paul smart was killed uh while out riding his road bike um on the roads near his home in kent uh paul smart obviously was uh, very famous and much loved uh, rider who was prolific in the 60s and 70s um, and he was 78 years old. Paul was um, most famous for his uh, 1972 Imola 200 
100 win on board the Ducati, but he was also, he was prolific in the British Championship and race at the Isle of Man. Um, so MCA just wants to extend our condolences to Paul's family at this difficult time. That is so sad, Emma. Yeah, really sad. So you'll have um, a report about that in the paper as well? Yeah, we've got a little tribute to him, his okay. uh, life okay. and his career. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the uh, no longer a minute, but MCM Minute. And that, that's my fault, really, for, for chatting away. But, Emma, lovely to have you on board once again. Uh, and you. Thanks very much. Speak soon. Speak soon. Bye. The MCN Minute on the Rock and Road podcast. Buy the latest issue in store and online at motorcyclenews.com. Hi to Evo from Biker Nexus, which is a rather cool app I've come across. Hi, Evo. Morning. How are you doing? I'm very good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Um, can you tell us, what is this app? Because I've come across it and it looks really cool. Oh, thank you. That's very kind. Um, it's an app that we had an idea to create. It helps people who perhaps have moved to a new area or don't know anyone to ride with or they themselves like motorbikes and none of their uh, typical friend group does, where you can go on, you can join ride outs that are posted by others or posted by us the admin or you can even do your own ride out or event that's it's it's simplest form that's what it is so it's like a um, sort of meeting place for other bikers and you can discuss uh where's like for example i'm in wimbledon i could go on the app and think who else is in wimbledon or they're going on for a, a ride this weekend i could join them exactly yeah i mean the there's a world map so you can zoom out of the world map and look for the pins, uh, which mean that there's something going on. Or there are other locations being added to the world map all the time. So I'm in the process right now of adding a whole bunch of biker-friendly cafes and pubs, restaurants, etc. We'll also be adding uh, retailers for clothing and garages. It's very much a work in progress. We've only launched just over a month ago now, on the 22nd of September. Oh, okay, so I've, I've got it right at the start here. So, yeah. you know, when we look back on this podcast in a few years, it'll be like, <laughs> this this app's massive well, and, and you were the first ones on rock and road. <laughs> we hope so. Um, we certainly hope so. I mean, it's it's very, it sounds a little bit pretentious and it sounds maybe a little bit lofty, but we're hoping to one day essentially be the Facebook for bikers. Um, Ooh, I suppose that's then, a good way of describing it, yeah. Yeah, so there's the world map. There's a calendar, obviously, if you're looking for something on a specific date. Both of those work really well. For example, if you're planning to attend another part of the country to visit some family, say. So I, for example, live in London. I've got friends up in Leeds. If I was going up to Leeds and I thought, oh, let me see if there's anything going on, I can join a ride out. I can either check the calendar, uh, look for the specific days I'm going to be in Leeds, or I can zoom out of the world map and zoom back into Leeds and see if there's something going on there. Where can we find the app then? And uh, what's it called? Tell us all the social details as well. Thank you. Yeah, so the app is called Biker Nexus, B-I-K-E-R-N-E-X-U-S. It's on both the Play Store and the App Store. The socials we've got uh, are most active really on Twitter, Insta and Facebook at Biker Nexus. Yeah. Okay. Or if you just search Biker Nexus, we should be the only ones that come up with that name anyway. Yes. Evo, well, thanks for chatting to us here on Rock and Road Pod, and we can't wait for the app to evolve, and we're going to start using it. That's lovely. Thanks a lot, Diana. 
Well, that's it from the podcast this week. It's back soon with another episode. Catch up on all the photographs and more on the socials at Rock and Road. And uh, it's a buy from me and it's a buy from... Dexter. Would you like to add anything else, Dexter, other than goodbye? Uh, yes, please. Come on, then. Did anyone have uh, had a happy Halloween? Oh, you want to end with a question. Has anybody had a happy Halloween? And if so, can you tell Dexter? Anything mm. else, Dexter? That's kind of it. That's um, kind of it. We're looking forward to bonfire night next. Yeah. And then what? What's after bonfire night? Christmas. Well, it's a bit of a gap. I don't think we'll celebrate Christmas till at least the 1st of December. Why? Well, that's when the advent calendars start, and I think that's when we should begin. don't really want to get started before then. Okay. Good. That's that sorted. Once again, thank you for listening and catch you next time at Rock and Road Pod. <laughs>